Ryan, I'm going to give you a minute to introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Ryan Martin. Uh, obviously, born and raised in Swindon. Uh, started boxing when I was six years old, so nine, six. 19 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Mm. And uh, I think the, the journey's just beginning properly. Yeah, yeah, 25 years old. That's it. So, look, you started at six. How does that even look? Like, how do you get into boxing at six? Do you know what? I think, uh, to be honest, my dad, he, uh, he trained, didn't box competitively, but he trained when he was he was younger, so sort of just as a fitness thing, at Walcott ABC, okay. the lo- local amateur boxing club. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, he was just worried about me sort of growing up. I was, I was quite a quite a quiet, reserved kid. I think he was worried about me sort of maybe even being bullied, you know, typical dad protective, yeah. and took me and my older brother down to the boxing gym. We just never looked back. Wow. Mm-hmm. So did, did does your brother box as well now? He, no, not anymore. Okay. Found girls at about 16 and okay. he went able. Right. But I stuck with it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So when you're at that age, is it is it more based around fitness and just looking after yourself skills or is it, do you start actually competing? How does it work at that age? Uh, six years old, well, you don't compete in the amateurs until you're around 11. Okay. I think, well, yeah, I think it is 11 years old. You're allowed to box competitively. Um, Still young. So for the first five years, it was a bit of fun. But looking back at it, I got to admit it's probably where I, I really sort of learned my to sort of discipline myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at that young age, you're, you're being put through pretty intense training and doing things you don't really want to be doing. So the ones that the ones that aren't cut out for it will will lose interest and and fizzle out. And yeah. and the ones that kind of enjoy it and and like that driven sort of sport feel yeah stick with it I was one of them yeah mm-hmm. so is it, it's always been boxing it's never been anything else that's got you I kind of I tried a few other things even like things like judo football love football when I was younger yeah I sort of took my hand to anything really but boxing seemed to be where my my natural talent really people saw early on that I had a natural talent for it and uh, it's probably I would say the hardest thing I've done and that for me is is the fascination with it, just yeah. the, how difficult it is, and yeah, love it. Now, did it work for your dad? Never got bullied. Never got bullied. Good. Well, there you go. Luckily, my older brother was pretty handy as well. Right. So, so yeah. parenting one hundred and one. Yeah, that's perfect. That's so. That's that's amazing though. So 11, 11 was when you first started fighting, or yeah. did you, you did? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how does that look when you first start? Is it like is it the same sort of thing where you start off with three minute rounds, or does it start a minute round? How does that work um, as a kid? I think my first fight was one and a half minute rounds, three rounds. Right. So looking back at it, it was wow, easy as anything. But at the time, it was like I was stepping into a world world title fight. Yeah. I've still got the tapes now of me I eleven did. years old, like shadow boxing before getting in the ring. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. That's mad. So, and it, was it on a big show, or is it? Is it? How does it? How do they do it? It was. A pre, it was local Premier Club. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah real local show. It was. A, it was a Walcott Amateur Boxing Club home show. So it's really just sort of friends and family that come and watch you. Pretty, pretty small hall. Um, and then I had a few fights in my first year. And twelve years old, went into my first national tournament and and won it. Wow. And then, and that's when I think that was the breaking point for me. That's when I realised like, oh, I am actually, I am actually good at this. I, I got to the finals pretty comfortably, and then won the finals in my first first finals, sixteen nil. So, as, wow. 
as the judges seen out, I didn't get touched, and that's that. Yeah, that's when I realised I had a, I had a bit of a national talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. So, um, in in terms of uh, that sort of level, that's you, you wear things like headgear and all that. Yeah. Kind of, that's that's still very much amateur, like the Olympics was, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you said to me before that you were looking potentially down the Olympic route when you were late teens or whatever. Is that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I got to. It would, I think I was about thirteen, fourteen, and um, I got selected to box for the uh, qualifiers for the Europeans. Mm-hmm. Um, just fell short in that to a guy that I had beat previously twice, which was quite quite annoying. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like knew I had the beating of him, but but lost that one important fight. Uh, but then I was kind of on the circuit. England were looking at me. I, I boxed for England a couple of times in the Free Nations, right. and from there you sort of get get called up to the to the GB squad. Right. Uh, so I was I was sort of picked to train for my place on the GB squad. The youngest person in in the group out of I think it was forty odd boxers. I, I was seventeen. Most of these guys were 22, 23 years old, like blokes. Wow. So who um, who would have been in that group? Oh, there's a guy in welterweight champion now, uh, Echo. Echo Usman, yeah. uh, I remember him. He was he was one of the top guys. Uh, I mean, there's a few guys that are still on the still on the GB squad now. Yeah. Uh, Patrick McCormack, he was in it. Like, I mean, these are these are names that like boxing boxing, boxing fans would know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys are going what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's that's incredible. So how does the how do they whittle down? A forty person. Because I'm assuming it's all weight categories anyway. So you probably had about six or seven in your weight category. No, no, that, that was just, that's all that was your just weight my, Yeah, yeah, that was wow. my weight. So how do they whittle that down? Into do they put you against each other? Do they? What do they do? Basically, they they have you in for like a proper training camp. So you're you're staying up there for a weekend. I went up for I think it was three different weekends. Um, and where's this? In Sheffield. Okay. Yeah, uh, Institute of Sport. Yeah. Like all the facilities there's mental. The training was was top mm. and. You got chefs cooking you cooking your food, and yeah, it was unbelievable. You came back though, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but they would sort of have you have you in the morning in for for like circuit training, early morning runs, yeah. evenings were was sparring. There, that's obviously what they're watching carefully on. Yeah. But but for the whole time, they're obviously watching your attitude, how you train, are you disciplined, turning up on time, and and they just slowly start fizzling fizzling out the guys that they don't think have it. And I I think I got down to the last. I was in the last weekend anyway, so it wow. was like the last like five or six, five or six lads. Wow! And so you start off with this forty group, and then the next weekend you've only got like fifteen left or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. that's mad. And do you speak to any of the guys still? Uh, a few over social media and stuff. Yeah, I get a few messages every now and then. Have you fought any of them? No, no, no I haven't. No, but maybe down the line, like yeah. like I said, English champion yeah. at the minute that I was in that in that group with. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? That's brilliant. So. Sort of skipping ahead, then well, you've done you've done the camp there. That didn't go your way. Um, that was London, twenty twelve. Yeah, just before. Yeah. So from there, that's when you decide to go pro. Yeah, um, I think I was just my mentality of like a seventeen year old wanting to go out and have fun. I was kind of was kind of getting um, disheartened with the amateurs. Yeah, it was just a a lot of hard work. And at the time, I wasn't seeing massive reward. Yeah. Obviously, pretty stupidly, I, that, that really was my uh, apprenticeship where I yeah. was learning my craft. And so, in hindsight, wish I would have worked harder and stuck with it. But who knows if I had done that, I might have tipped myself over the edge and not yeah. been here today. Yeah. Um, 
So you mean you, you would kind of wish you would have stayed as an amateur for a little longer? Yeah, maybe a little bit longer, but but like I said, who, who knows what would have happened. for regrets, is it? Yeah, that's it. And uh, I turned pro to kind of sort of, sort of reignite the fire, mm-hmm. and it did just that. Okay, mm-hmm. so you were 19 or so? 19, 19. Yeah. yeah. And then you went straight to Paddy's place, did you? No, I uh, I started training with a, a Russian trainer, uh, Islan, that, oh, wow. that actually trained me for a couple of years at Walcott okay. when, when I was an amateur. Uh, loved his style of training, got on well with him, um, but but yeah, eventually, eventually, sort of moved around, fi- figured out what what worked best for me, and and I'm with Paddy now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did that did that immediately click with with Paddy? With Paddy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I had known Paddy before we had done little bits. Even when I was an amateur training for the Free Nations, I think I was 14 years old, still in school. I was going from school training at Walcott and then going to Paddy for like one-to-one pad sessions uh, because I knew he was he was like a well-established coach at the time yeah I think at the time he was training Jamie Cox and, yeah. and I sort of grew up with Jamie as an amateur and yeah. uh, he, he obviously trained at Walcott as well and uh, yeah it was it was just I, I knew about Paddy before and kind of wanted to go that way for, for a while yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm. so you go on to Paddy's Team, how does how does it kind of work? If you you've signed on to that team now, and that you've do you sign contracts? How does that work? So Paddy is my trainer manager. Yeah. Okay. A lot of boxers have a separate manager, um, but Paddy Paddy knows knows the business inside yeah. out and and knows the game. So. And does he sit down with you and map out then from that point you signed up to his program, and he maps out your first, second, third fight, figures out exactly your trajectory. Yeah, it's pretty much step by step, especially early on. You're kind of just you're trying to trying to get comfortable with the game. Like even though it's the same sport, it's boxing. Yeah, it feels like a, a completely different sport to amateur yeah. boxing. Yeah, it really does. No head guards. Like even down to like not wearing a vest and yeah. and a lot more crowd usually in the pro game. And it's just it's just a completely different. It's like amateur boxing with all the glitz and glamour. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're you're a showman rather than just someone who's who's a boxer that makes sense yeah how'd that work for you did you find that a difficult transition I kind of tried to just treat it like it was the amateurs uh, to start off with and kind of block all that other stuff out but I kind of learned along the way that you have to sort of be observant and and accept the fact that people are here to watch you be entertaining and and, uh, you have to just accept the fact that it's entertainment yeah yeah. you can't let that get into your head too much though because you've got a game plan to to I Absolutely. guess to use and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, how aware are you when you're like? Just as a side note, when you're in the ring, how aware are you of? Are you only hearing Paddy's voice? Are you are you aware of anything else going on? Do you know what? Early on, the only voice I'd hear was my dad's. Is it? It was the weirdest thing. It would be just loads of noise in the crowd, and then just this roar. There. It was like <laughs> either in like giving me a bollock or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. But now I think, like I said, I've learned to be a lot more observant and uh, be, I guess, just be a lot more present yeah. and listen to instruction and, and think about think about what I'm doing rather than trying to impress other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and the other thing to, to kind of look on that is you're 19 going pro. Your first few fights are probably against people that you kind of quote unquote should be. You expect to be, mm-hmm. yeah. But they're, I'm assuming they're probably much older than you. Yeah, yeah. So that's got to be a weird thing as well, because this is people's careers and they're living as well, and you're there you know, battering people because yeah. it's cannon fodder for you at that age. Like mm-hmm. that's got to be a weird 
dynamic, I guess. Yeah, it was. I mean, in the amateurs, up until 17, you're classed as a junior, so you're fighting people in your age category. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's real comfortable. Then I only had sort of three or four fights as a senior. Uh, and But again, it's only over three rounds, so you're not really getting into the trenches as such. You're not like having to dig deep. and It's, it's more of a it's skill. Skill yeah. gets you through over three rounds. Yeah. You're not probably finishing a lot of people in three rounds. Yeah, like that's this. it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, then all of a sudden you turn pro and you've got this 33-year-old big, big strong bloke coming at you for four or six rounds. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a game changer. It definitely... It's a wake-up call. Yeah. And those little gloves are no joke. What, what, what size do you use? So when I, when I weigh the, make the uh, welterweight limit, 147 pounds, we have to wear eight ounces. That's not a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot. Especially when you consider you've got like weight distributed over your wrist, over your thumb. Like yeah. over the knuckle, there isn't a, there yeah. isn't a great deal. Wow. Mm. So, and I suppose, yeah, this 33-year-old is now looking at it going, I'm on the other side of this coin here. I'm expected to lose this young lad that's yeah. got to be a weird feeling for them as well so mm-hmm. it's interesting so um first few fights no issues whatsoever no nope. um your career took a, a leap and you went into how what was your first title fight uh that was in my seventh fight and that what, yeah. what was that for the wbc youth world title okay so it, it was a big deal yeah uh, i mean boxers like names people know like Canelo Alvarez he held it when he was younger and oh wow yeah it was like some, some big names that held the title so yeah, yeah. good lineage mm-hmm. um, and that was it didn't go your way that day no okay and then how does that is that because I'm assuming you probably didn't lose any amateurs uh, only, only a couple out of, out of 40 odd right yeah. and they're pointed yeah. and they're not they're yeah. not as important as amateur no. how did that how's it, how do you how do you then brush yourself off for the next fight how does that feel that the first loss, that title fight was a weird one because it was someone who I I respected him, knew knew he was a good fighter, knew him from the amateur circuit, never boxed him as an amateur, but but knew all about him. Um, definitely didn't take him lightly. But what I what I had forgot to work on throughout, like I guess my amateurs and the start of my pro career was was my mentality of fighting. And when when things aren't going my way, what do you do? What how do you how do you stay focused? How do you stay switched on? And that's where I fell short in that fight. Uh, so we went from that fight, had another, not a gimme. It was it was someone, again, who I expected to beat, but was dangerous enough to sort of keep me stimulated. Yeah. Ended up stopping him in, in the second round, which sounds great at the time. It's like, brilliant. We've, we've come away from the loss, got a good stoppage win. But I didn't really learn too much no. from one and a half rounds of boxing. Don't have to test your skills at all. No, all my mentality for that matter. Like I've just, I've just danced around for for one round and then caught him with a body shot early on in the second, and that's it. Fight's over. So I haven't really cemented anything in my head that I've I've corrected anything. Um, went from that fight to another title fight because we kind of felt like we we'd shaken the rust off. Yeah, and uh, a, a similar thing happened. It, it was it was nothing technical, nothing physical. It was it was all all a mental mental thing, and I. That that was when I really realised like right we got to sort something out. I started working with a sports psychologist, and yeah. and since then I I feel a different fighter. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And what sort of thing would you you be going through in in that? How often do you see this person? So throughout a, a training camp, anything from five to ten times, kind right. of yeah, kind of however I feel. It sets your mind right to know that you're going to face some difficult challenges in these every fight now. I guess yeah. it's going to be a difficult one. So. Yeah. Um, 
that, I suppose that's got to be the difficulty for me of looking at it on the outside going, well, there's till your first title fight, how do you know when you're ready for your first title fight? Because you've had four fights that were kind of not gimmies, but they're, they're that way. You're supposed to win them. Mm-hmm. A couple of challenging tests, but once again, you're probably going to win and then a title fight. And there's, I guess there's no blueprint, right, in terms of no, how to really. do it. But at that point, you know, there's suddenly, there's a real, it's a real thing on the line that you both want to win. Yeah. That's got to be a, quite a difficult. It's uh, it's almost impossible to know. I mean, everything outside of, outside of how I performed that night in the title fight, everything in training, everything leading up, everything in my amateur career, everything suggests that I'm I'm ready. Mm. There, there's no alarm bells ringing saying, oh, we don't know whether this is a bit early for Ryan. I, I was performing in the gym, sparring, sparring like world champions, mm. uh, just doing everything I should be doing and performing. So there was no reason for us to back out of the title fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Fascinating. Who's Who would be the best? Who, like you're sparring people. Who's the best person you've been sparring with? That's a difficult one, really. Because you might end up fighting them. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't mind saying for that. And uh, anyone I've stepped in the ring with, I've, I've definitely held my own. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm not too worried about that. But I mean, well away. Josh Kelly's up there. Right. Obviously, a, a talent at the minute. People yeah. are hyping him up, and quite rightly so. He, he's a good talent. Um, Sam Eggington is another one. He was British champion, European champion. Uh, I've even done rounds with like Chris Eubank Jr. But uh, he, he's middleweight, so a couple of weights above. So I can't really. Not, I'm not going to end up fighting him anytime no. soon. I can't imagine. No, but but yeah, those sort of calibers, caliber of fighters. Lee Salvi is another one. Okay, yeah. yeah. I remember hearing about Lee through Jamie because so Jamie did some PT courses with us say ages ago. Okay. Um, when he thought, I guess he thought he wasn't maybe he wasn't going to fight again, or he wanted a, a contingency. Right. Um, and then he came back. Um, he had to fight in the races, and then he was off and, and running again. And that was it, all boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I remember him telling me. I'm going to Newport, I think it was. That's it. Um, so I'm, I, you know, spar- I'm doing bits and pieces, and there's a kid called Lee Selby. Um, and he said to me straight out right there and then, he was, this was a while back, he was like, he will be world champion. Yeah. He's, he's the best I've seen. Exceptional. Incredible. Yeah, he is good. Um, his whole family's that way, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fighting family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember, I remember, I, I vividly remember the name. And it was one I was like, okay, I remember that. And then I saw him on a fight or whatever and realized he was pretty handy, and yeah. then I carried on watching him. Um, so I guess fighters know fighters, don't they? Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, definitely. But so now then, your next fight is September 28th. Mm-hmm. Who's the opponent? We haven't got one yet or not? We're in talks with a couple of people now waiting to, waiting to hear back on a couple of opponents. And okay. uh, I mean, all I can say is we're, we're definitely stepping up the level. Mm. So The last one um, in March? In March or April? April. April. Mm. Um, that was, uh, that's by all accounts people that I've spoken to that's the best you've looked um, to me stole the show that was unbelievable Thank that you. evening um, Luke won't mind me saying that I'm sure <laughs> um, did absolutely stole the show it was incredible so and to, I'm always I'm always interested intrigued to know how do you you've got him on the ropes you know you were you could you could feel him closing in what was it round 7 you stopped him 6 8 8 yeah it was 8 yeah. so from around, around about round six then, mm-hmm. you start stepping on the gas. I can yeah. see that happening. Round seven, look, I think you dropped him again in one of those rounds, if memory serves. How do you know when to really pull the trigger? Because like, I'm sure there are a lot of fighters that got caught that way. There are, there are so many little tells and things that, I mean, your brain's like a calculator. When, when you're in there with like, fighting someone, it's, obviously you're up close, you're like pushing against 
another human. You, you're, you're feeling things that people watching the fight can't feel. Yeah. Um, and I just noticed from probably around, like you say, five or six, I was getting... I mean, he had that sort of cheeky swagger about him. If I'd catch him, he'd give me a smile yeah. and, and he was a bit uh, like flamboyant, I suppose. Um, but I, just I know, always think people do that. That's when you know you have hurt him. Yeah, a lot of the time. I think early on, he was just trying to trying to take me out of my game and take me out of my rhythm. But then from sort of round six onwards, I started getting more of a reaction. Right. And, every, and every time I'd hit him, I could tell he was trying even harder to sort of show me that yeah. No, it's not working and then I'm thinking right okay I've got you yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah I knew it was time to start putting on the pressure yeah mm-hmm. how does that feel when a ref, ref waves his arms like that it's just relief uh, yeah I mean people don't see what goes on behind closed doors but you've just worked eight, ten weeks I've worked your absolute butt off yeah um, for that one little that one little moment of just definitive like yeah job done yeah and yeah that's a good feeling yeah mm-hmm. and fighting at home yeah, I love it. Yeah, love it. Sw- I'll tell you what. We've got loads of boxers, uh, but I've, we've spoke before. Um, professional boxing hasn't exactly sort of tapped into like the southwest of the country, just for whatever reason. But uh, Swindon's growing massively in boxing. P- people really get behind us, and obviously we all we all massively appreciate it. We all the shows do well, and yeah. with like Paddy, Mark Nielsen putting on the shows, it's, yeah. everything's going well, and it's. And it's Everyone's winning, basically. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be growing here on a on a scale in everything, though. Like you look at the white collar game. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different shows, and I mean, one of our boys that works for us, Danny, he's fought three times on those shows. Yeah, fighting again in early September, um, and then you go to those, and there's a couple thousand people there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like, they do numbers. It's, I think when people first start going to these white collar shows and. I mean, they're on pretty much every other weekend now, yeah. right, all the time. A lot of people, especially in the pro game, are kind of moaning about it, like, oh, it's taking some sort of shine shine away from us. But no, it's, no. this is helping us. It, it's just getting more and more people interested, more and more people buying tickets, yeah. more people talking about it. And, yeah, it's, it's only good for everyone, yeah, I think. Definitely. I don't think it's going to hurt the game at all. And, and you look at it, and you especially look at, um, at the pro game, the pro level, you can absolutely see the difference. Like there's no, there's no two ways. Like the, yeah, the standard so, yeah. is unreal. Um, but there's something about those white collars where it's two minute rounds and you're in and you're out three rounds and you're out and then the next two people are out here and it's mm-hmm. fourteen fights before the interval or whatever. It's, yeah. it's chaos. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. And you know you can tell the people that haven't trained for it, so mm-hmm. you yeah. can see that. Whereas everyone, realistically, in a pro show, is going to be well trained for it, ready to go. Yeah, you'd be surprised if someone turned up not fit. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. for sure. Um, so that was you said about you know working your butt off in camp. How does your camp set up? Like, if you do, you kind of start with a real wide base in terms of we do loads of different types of training and a bit of sparring and really zoning on things. How does your camp kind of how do you construct that? Uh, it's kind of always been the same I mean sparring we we try and spar three times a week Um, that obviously always doesn't go to plan little little niggles here and there and you have to three times yeah so we'll usually do say I'm fighting an eight or ten round fight we'll usually probably do one eight or ten round spar a week and then and then twice a week maybe six rounds Mm -hmm. and uh, and twice a day I train Okay. At the minute, that's pretty much. And how do you how do you mix that? There's a certain amount of do you do a lot of heavy lifting, sprint work? How do you 
what sort of things are you doing each each week? So every morning is is in the boxing gym. Yeah, as a as a rule, that's just what we do. Whether that, whether that's bag work, mitts, sparring, um, and then in the evenings it, it varies from steady runs early on in campus, like a, you're, you're getting your weight down and, and building a bit of building a bit of fitness. Um, obviously, a couple of conditioning sessions a week. I do two strength purely strength sessions a week, so heavy heavy sort of heavy weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as you're getting closer to the fight, you start building on sort of sprint work. Mm-hmm. Um, then real close, just ease off. I, th- I think sort of a week out, most boxers know you've done your work and yeah. now it's time to sort of let your body recover and get ready. Yeah. You're not going to get fitter on fight week. No, yeah, so. um, that's amazing. Because I, I, saw the, I saw a promo video for your last fight mm-hmm. and you're sort of jogging through town or whatever. Who did, who did that video? Uh, Nick Mazzotta. Right. That yeah. was incredible. Talented. It's very, very yeah, impressed. Yeah, he's very good. So yeah, I'm going to definitely mm-hmm. take, take his details from you, yeah. uh, I think, because that's mm-hmm. so, so impressive. Um, and it had, a real, it had a real feel of building you up and it was hometown and all that kind of stuff and that was brilliant. Um, do, you, do you have more and more people now following you in that way? Like, do you get more offers of photography? Do you get that sort of stuff happening for you now? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, um, definitely locally. Yeah. Local photographers. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, I noticed that probably since the since the title fight to be honest yeah 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 people kind of wanted to get involved with it, which is a good thing and and so any way i can get out and get exposure is, is better for me and and good for them as well so yeah yeah no that's cool and so i saw i saw that and i was like right okay so this sort of thing's starting to happen i know you're working with different coaches and paddy's bits and i know just from just from working with luke i know how like he's got however many sponsors and whatever mm-hmm. um are you are you on that route as well? You're doing that sort of thing as well. You've got more and more sponsors adding into the. Yeah, yeah, trying. I've got a couple of main sponsors that have uh, sort of supported me since early on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's getting to that stage now. I mean, hopefully by the end of the year we sort of get get a strap around my waist, and yeah. then it will be on to hopefully moving on to TV shows and stuff. And I think that's when that's when local businesses will be looking to yeah. get, get involved. That's when it starts being serious mm-hmm. in terms of that as well. Like that that national recognition or whatever yeah um because I, I could feel the difference like definitely from going um i think we did a, a show in leicester with um did you fight on that when luke I did. Fought Stra- that, yeah that was the second title fight yes yeah. um so luke fought there um to defend his commonwealth and then there was that step up to the the york hall Lawrence O'Coley, Matchroom or whatever. Yeah. And again, it's another thing you can feel the difference on. Mm-hmm. So that sort of thing, I suppose, is is the next stage, right? So you get your title, end of the year, whatever that is, and then move on to that sort of stage. Yeah. Would you be, um, do you do you already start hearing things about that? If you've got a progression route towards that, like Paddy sorted that sort of thing out for you? Yeah, yeah, but obviously that, that sort of stays behind the scenes until, yeah. until something's de- uh, definite. We don't start talking about that, but... Yeah, but yeah, he's working on it. Paddy's doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be fingers in pies. That's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the other thing I want to talk to you about, obviously, being like a fitness-based podcast, um, you know, as loose as that is. Anyway, we talk about all sorts. Mm-hmm. You're, and this is what's been I always talk to fighters about nutrition and weight cut and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know we briefly discussed it before, but how how difficult is that process, and how how tight are you with your nutrition, and how how does that work for you? I mean, I'm super strict with myself, but I've never been into the, the calorie counting and stuff. Like people would tell me I'm wrong. Uh, 
but I've always gone on on feel for what I need and and the training I'm doing and I've kind of picked up pointers along the way from different coaches different people I've trained around uh, and and everything seems to be good but I struggle with it because I've got I've got Italian family they're always trying to feed me pasta and meatballs <laughs> and this <laughs> yes it's a bit of a pain but seven courses yeah no no one likes no one likes making weight in in any combat sport that's that's for me the 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 worst part, the bit you can yeah. do without when you're when you're stressed and thinking about fighting, training hard. The the, the last thing you want to be doing is cutting portions, and restricting yourself when you're yeah. ramping up intensity. Yeah. So for, when I explain this to people, the most common reaction is like, "Surely that's not healthy." Mm-hmm. Surely, but I mean, it's just the way it is. It's, 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 yeah. Would you? Do you think there's a way around it? Uh, so here's an example, right? There's a MMA promotion that don't allow you to, to go anything more. There's a certain test they do, whether it's hydration, I believe. Uh, I've heard about this, I think. Yeah, and they say, right, you, can, you can't come in if un, un, like dehydrated, you can't be, you can't be fighting. Yeah. So if you had to lose five pounds, okay, you could do that mm-hmm. like quite healthily and whatever. Your fight weight is 147, so you would be sitting around 152 at just walking around. Yeah. You could lose a little bit, and still be hydrated and be okay to fight. Um, but if you happen to walk around at 165, but you can get down to 147, then they're saying, no, that's not your fight weight. Your fight weight is 154 or is yeah. one whatever. So is there, is there any way, do you think, of doing it? Cause just for safety, like dehydration and all that kind of stuff, it's got to be a big thing. Yeah, I, I, think, I think whichever... If they decide ever decide to change the way it's done, it's obviously got to be just across the board, making sure everyone does does the same thing. But, yeah, but you're fighting some monster. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the worry, isn't it? Mm. But I mean, like you say, I I box at 147 pounds. Um, I can sometimes go up to to 165, like, yeah. like really blown up. Um, so it's it's difficult to know, like when you're you're walking around weight when you're eating what you want and yeah. and sort of enjoying life a little bit it's difficult to know like where where your perfect optimal sort of weight would be yeah um yeah that, that's a that's a hard one I it's a difficult how, question yeah i don't know how you'd get around it i don't know how you yeah it's because you know I do, I, I do like that that promotion the hydration thing i do because that's that's where the injuries come from and yeah i mean there's been a recent uh recent sort it's of tragedy box, yeah right? yeah which and i think that's from what I know anyway that's where a lot of it comes from the dehydration yeah mm-hmm. people again it's you, if you we're an, we're an extreme um, we're, people are extreme yeah so if you go right if Ryan can do 165 down to 147 um, and fine 165 might be enjoying yourself eating what you want so let's mm-hmm. say 160 is standard walking around that's 13 pounds if Ryan can do 13 what if I could do 15 or 17 yeah then the next person says, well, I'll do 20. Mm-hmm. And then you end up looking like Conor McGregor when he goes under 45. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, but then, of course, the next day you're, you're enormous after you've had rehydration or whatever. So there's a clear edge, and people will always try and find the edge. But it's, um, you got, I've got to think that getting into a boxing ring where you've got to be physically strong, obviously, but mentally and cognitively sharp, Dehydration cannot be the best way to go. It's not the way forward. It's crazy. Yeah. So it, I just find it fascinating. It'll be an eternal question, apart from 
you know, in heavyweights because it doesn't really make any difference, right? So, yeah. what's yeah, I, might, I might just do that. Just go there. Yeah, it's fine. Why not? Be a five foot ten heavyweight. Don't worry about it. Tyson <laughs> did it. You'll be fine. <laughs> Start sparring, Luke. You'll be good. Um, so yeah. So in terms of this camp now, how many weeks out are we? Eight weeks. Nine maybe? weeks. Nine weeks. Yeah. Perfect. So now starting that that journey. Yeah. Um, sort of. Uh, I've got my uh, body back into action. Good. Been training for a couple of weeks, nothing too too manic, but now it starts to pick up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, how long do you take off after a fight typically? Do you take a couple of weeks to relax? Do I always, you... as a rule, I'll have a week out of the boxing gym, um, pretty much do do nothing heavy for a week, and then then slowly start getting back into it. Slow runs, go, go in and sort of light rounds on the bags, and we're not kidding ourselves. So yeah, I'd say I'd say for the three weeks after after a fight, we're not training hard yeah. in any way. We're just sort of keeping our body moving and, yeah. and making sure we recover properly. Because I think that's that's where a lot of people go wrong. They um they get like the recover the training and recovery in, in camp, then they'll they'll have a fight, and that's the important part as well. After a fight, when you've hit your, I mean, you fight night is where you peak. Yeah. Then you have you still have to recover. You still have to worry about your body and make make sure you're healthy. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really, don't really worry too much about it. It's got to be. I mean, it's it's a hell of a thing to go through um, for your body. It, regardless, if you could walk in there and, and beat somebody in the first round, it's still enormous adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It's a massive high. Um, you know, it's it, you've you've. It's a lot of. I'm, I'm certain there's a lot of stress hormones going on. Oh, yeah. In terms of the amount of you know, uh, you've got to have nervous anxiety, all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. pre, and you get in, in the ring, finish the fight, even if it's quick. That takes a toll, yeah. big toll. So you've got to have that recovery from that. Um, how does that How does that feel when they kind of go right? You're up next, and then they come to get you from the change rooms. What's What's going through your head? I'm always fascinated by this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I get asked this a lot. Uh, fight day feels completely normal to me, up until I would say my where my brain starts switching on is when Paddy says, "Right, we have got to get our wraps on." Yeah, that's when it starts getting real. It's like, right, this is happening now, and you, yeah, you start getting a bit more serious, but. For the most part, I'm I'm super relaxed. Luke's the same. He just yeah. wants to be calm, relaxed, and and work under, work good with each other around each other because nothing nothing mental, nothing changes. Yeah. It's just like another day in the gym. But yeah, when the wraps go on and the gloves go on, that's when it that's when it starts. Yeah, yeah, you start getting a bit anxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I find it because the last fight I was, I was ringside, and normally I haven't been as close as that. Right. So you can hear everything. You can you can almost Different. feel. It's different. Yeah. It's real different. You can hear people shouting. You can, you know, and whoever the dude is that comes out from the gym who was shouting, and Paddy had to tell to be quiet last time. Um, I can't yeah, remember his name. Yeah. But he was, he was literally. And we sat right in front of him, and he was shouting, shouting, shouting. Paddy turned around in the middle of a round and was like, "Will you just stop? Like, I've got this covered." It was hilarious, and we happened to move across the other side of the ring, and he came and sat right behind us again. <laughs> so I don't know what that was about, but it was. Um, you, you're so aware right next to the ring of everything that's going on yeah. and instructions and whatever gamesmanship from the corners and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, but also aware of um, of the, the fighters walk out and it seems to take forever yeah. it's a long way it seems yeah. you walk out and people are fist bumping you and whatever and I remember um, you, you walk straight past me on your fight and I remember Luke walked straight past me and I'm I may as well have not even been there when Luke walked past me. Like he didn't see anything apart from the ring. The steps to get in the ring, that was it. So it's like, I find that whatever that is, that mental state you've got to get into, um, 
because you say, right, the raps go on, but you're still aware, and it's suddenly you've got tunnel vision as soon as you walk out into the arena. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. that sort of thing must be, there's got to be something in your mind where you know, I would think you'd be a, a massively overwhelmed the first time you do that walk and the lights and the music and people cheering or whatever it is or booing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then to now be able to walk out there like it's nothing um, in the space of 10 fights or whatever, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's one of those things. I mean, I speak to people about it in the gym and they kind of, people always say like, oh, how do you handle it well? Like, how do you sort of get around it? There's no getting around it. You just become comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. It's, uh, you accept that, right, I'm going to fight tonight. I want to fight. I want to win. That's what I got to do. Yeah. That that uncomfortable bit where people are either booing or screaming or yeah. you feel the pressure. Um, and then it's funny that that ring walk, it is, I do, I do go into a bit of a zone. I try, I try and be observant and, and sort of feel out your surroundings and because you don't want to miss it either no no that's it that's part of it yeah so yeah enjoy it for a second yeah take it in it's um because and also the other one that gets me do you have a different song every time or have you got the same one is it a routine are you quite superstitious for that sort of stuff no I've changed a few times to be fair my first like seven eight fights were completely different like whatever whatever sounded good through the speakers I just uh, it's not really. I don't take too much notice of that. That's just for everyone else to yeah. enjoy. I'm just walking to the ring to do my job. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Again, all this stuff is stuff that I'm interested in. So I'm assuming the listeners are. They might have turned off by now. Um, but I'm interested in finding out all these different things because I know certain fighters got to put a left on before they put the right on. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. There's there's real superstition, you know. And oh, I lost that fight. And I what I did, I tied my left lace up before my right lace. Maybe I'll switch that back and whatever. And I think that's across the board in all sports. I think people are the same way. Yeah. Um, but it, and it seems to be only with athletes. Like you don't get someone going to work and be like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll do this first. I'll answer that email before that email. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. So I find it interesting with athletes that that seems to be. I think it's the high stakes, isn't it? It's yeah. The, it's the tons of preparation for one moment. Yeah. And yeah, those tiny little things play on your mind. Yeah. Mm. So let's cast our mind forward. Fight in September, that's a win. Title fight coming up after that. What does 2020 bring? Hopefully, a lot more exposure, um, fighting on some big shows, yeah. some TV shows, and fighting against some names. Yeah, That's what I'm looking for. Good point. Um, I think without a title, uh, with, uh, without blowing my own trumpet, I think I'm, I'm too much of a risk for, for someone to fight for yeah. for no reason makes sense yeah but but with the title with with something for them to get I think I'll get some big fights and so that's what we're looking at there's no um, there's no clear cut out plan mm. but but we know where we in the direction we want to go yeah yeah and that's, I guess there's nothing you can really do to say well I want this guy six months from now because you don't know what that guy's doing six months oh. from now you have to look at AJ for that um, yeah. you never yeah. know do you that's it. Um, what's your take on on that sort of thing on the heavyweight division at the moment and how that's gone um, six months ago, nine months ago, it was all, all it was was AJ against Wilder. That was yeah, it. Yeah. And then Fury came along, muddied the waters a little bit mm-hmm. um, with Wilder. And it seems that AJ just, I mean, that thing against Ruiz, you know, hindsight, everyone said, oh, yeah, no, Ruiz is really good. But before that, zero people gave him a chance. Yeah, I mean, the, the only people that were really taking notice of, of Ruiz were like your hardcore boxing fans yeah. that, that sort of really know boxing. That's no disrespect to anyone. No, anyone not at all. that. That wasn't taking any notice of him, but but 
I mean, I, don't, I know nothing about American football. I, I see some fat tubby, tubby lad with a, with a beer belly. I'm going to go, oh, I don't reckon he's that good. Yeah. It's just the way it is. He people, might be only 40 million a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. But people see Ruiz and they, and they thought AJ would blow him out of the water. But what everyone forgets is just because you know you don't know about someone doesn't mean they can't fight. He's, he's another man with two hands and that's, that's worked hard his whole career. Yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't... I had AJ win in that fight, but it wasn't a massive shock to me because I had watched him. I knew he was skillful, yeah. and just those Mexicans anyway. Then I like bred, bred differently. He's he's the only person that I've seen from the get go walk forward and punch with AJ. Yeah. At the same time, a lot of people will try and stay out of the way of his heavy shots and counter. Yeah, he was like, "No, chin down, I'm punching with you." Yeah, yeah. And it, it's they call it there's a Mexican style. That yeah. walk you down style. Yeah. Um, have you ever fought a Mexican opponent? No, I haven't. No. It'd be interesting when that happens. Oh yeah. What sort of style would you call yourself? Like, how would you say? Do you um, have a particular thing? I always, I say, I'm an aggressive boxer. Yeah. So, I'm not a brawler. I'm not just throwing shots for the sake of it. I, I sort of, I like, I like to set traps, make people make mistakes, and and sort of punish them. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm like a. Your typical sort of boxer, but with a bit of bit of venom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what that's the thing people forget is they watch a boxing match. It's, it's like super high stakes chess. Mm-hmm. Like you're laying those traps. You know. Okay, I've seen that. I see he drops his drops his left hand when he does this. Okay, yeah. right. I'll remember that and yeah. I'll get him in the next round or whatever it might be. You're thinking about that all the time. Um, it's not just running in there throwing throwing leather at people. Like no, it's, no. it's different to that. That's why I call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I find I find that really interesting. People just assume that that's what it is. But you're you're constantly having to, and it just again brings us back to the weight cut thing. You can't be doing that dehydrated, trying to think about all oh, that. You know, remember this and remember that later on. And eighth round, when you've taken a few knocks, yeah. to think, you know, um, have you ever found yourself in any real trouble? Uh, not trouble. No, never, never like I felt like I'm going to be stopped or anything or or really hurt. But I knew in the in the second title fight against a guy called uh, Craig Morris, who, he, w- he was one of them that slid under the radar and, and people people didn't pay too much attention to, but when I got in there, I realised he, he was good. He was yeah. he was well, well deserving of being in there with me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I felt, I felt I got hit more in that fight than, than any other fight I've had. Uh, but no, never, I, pr- I pride myself on sort of resilience and a bit, bit of toughness. I never felt like I was going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, so with those sorts of things, you must be aware within the first couple of minutes, I would think, oh, okay, this guy's got power in the right hand or he's whatever, he's, he's tough to hit or he's elusive or whatever. You've got, I guess, download that pretty quickly. Yeah, and then try and adjust. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So how much of the first early, the early parts, because obviously Paddy's well, he's been in the game forever. Mm-hmm. He's probably seeing all this, but you're feeling it. So how much of it is a conversation or how and how much of it in the corner is him telling you I'm seeing this readjust to that um, or is it very Paddy's very I mean I know what you're saying you get coaches that are real knowledgeable in boxing and they know when someone's doing this you do this and, yeah. but but Paddy's really good with kind of seeing the emotions you're going through and boxing is an emotional sport you get hit you have an emotion attached to it it's yeah. Uh, and he's really good at reading that, and and yeah, I, I think he just he says the the right thing tacti- tactically to say at the right time, yeah. um, 
and knows when to lift your spirits or when to tell you you're being a muppet and you yeah. need to like yeah he, he's yeah. just got yeah, an angry with this you got to start yeah it's yeah. It's, it's sport mm-hmm. that's the that's the interesting thing to me if you've got a, like paddy's got how many boxers that he's with a pro or amateur that he's in the corner for yeah. he's got to know you all intimately yeah. like, to, to make sure that he knows exactly what's going on with you what triggers you might have what things might get you kind of riled up mm-hmm. you know how to if you're not riled up how to get you there yeah. in, you know, emotionally so you do fight better um, I, and the bigger the stakes go the, the, the more the more impact that minute in the corner has I guess yeah so that's um, that's interesting too how do you see the um, the next AJ the, the rematch how do you see that going I think he's got to be very careful uh, the same thing could happen Yes, but I don't think AJ's ever been one to hold a shot while he he kind of gets his like jelly legs on when he gets yes. when he gets hit clean and we've seen it a few times now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Klitschko did it to him. Obviously, dropped him. Yeah, um, and Dillian White did it to him mm-hmm. as well. And I think people are always going to struggle to knock him out with one punch. But once he's hurt and you have a fighter like Ruiz who who can finish you off, it's it's going to be dangerous. But but AJ is. Do you know what? He's definitely in my eyes not the best boxer around. Yeah. But one of my favourite fighters because yeah. of his mentality and just his—he's uh, so realistic with everything and so just fa- uh, matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, he's just unbelievable. We said this after the Klitschko fight when he was like, "I'm not the finished product, mm-hmm. I'm tr- but I'm trying." Yeah, that's fantastic. It's not his fault that he's already the world was already the world champion. Like, that's not his fault. And look at the look at the pressure and hype that's been pushed around him yeah. since the Olympics. And he's just handled it like a boss yeah. throughout. Like, yeah. I don't it's know a shame for boxing because he was a real role model. Like I know, I don't know what Ruiz is like, but like for just for the British public, he's a real role model and yeah. hard work and dedication. And by all accounts, it looks like a really good you know father and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that now is kind of you know gone by the wayside. But this whole this whole thing about I think it's down to it, like fighters like Mayweather, this whole unbeaten record thing, people have got to get that out of their head. AJ's taken a loss, we, we've seen him vulnerable. Yeah. Now let's get back behind him and, and hope he wins the rematch and, and he can still go into some massive fights and still yeah. make tons of money and be a role model and yeah. and carry on the path he was. He just, he had a, he had a blip. The, the thing with boxing is the difference between the, the very elite and the not so good. There's not that much difference. Yeah. You're just you're just a bloke with two hands. There's a limited amount you can do. Yeah. Uh, and Luke always, Luke always says, "You go swimming, you're going to get wet." That's what he said to me. Yeah. The first, I remember the first fight I watched with him, um, and I said to him, "God, I'm you know nervous in the crowd. I'm looking at him. So when you get hit, and he's like, but against you, I'm you know again what you just said. Mm. You're asking me to go swimming and not get wet. I'm going to get punched. You just you know that. And then suddenly it became easier to watch because yeah. I knew that's going to happen. He's not just going to avoid everything. Yeah. So it's um. It's interesting, but the in terms of like the the AJ thing, you're right. People get really hung up on you know the, on the O. They yeah. get really hung up on yeah. that. And actually, um, I talked to to Luke about this in a way. Like his first loss is it almost a relief in a way? And his answer was, no, it's not a relief. But there is less pressure to protect that record now. So. Yeah, I've, I felt some pressure off definitely. Um, and Paddy didn't like that. Paddy was like, "No, the pressure's on now." Like, but yeah. but for me, it was uh, it was like, right, okay, I can forget that side of things. I yeah. can forget like protected my unblemished record. Yeah, stuff that yeah. I will, now. Let's just go get in some good fights and be entertaining and, yes. and get people behind us. But I noticed even after seven fights and even just being like a, a name in Swindon, if you like, 
I noticed a little bit of a tension drop off just after one loss. Really? And it's like, hold on a second, like I'm it's early on in my career, I took a risk that not many people would take and, yeah. and jump to fight for a title. Just just trying to kind of make something of myself. Fell short. Yeah. But it is what it is. Like now now look at me, I I feel like a completely different fighter. I feel so much more mature and so much more equipped for anything else that, that happens. Um, obviously, I, be, I believe, touch with, that things are going to go well and, and we move on to big things. And, it, and it's funny how just one little, one little blip yeah. can, can put people off. Yeah. Mm. It is people trying to attach themselves to this, whatever the latest, greatest thing or whatever, and it's very easy to fall off the bandwagon. It, and it's, it's, it's sad in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of look at it and go, Jesus, it's not, it's not like he's, he's not done an amazing job to this point. He's not a different person. Yeah. He's not a different fighter. He's just lost one fight. Mm-hmm. That's it. And half the time, you can look at refs or you could look at um, judges for that sort of thing as well. And you know, it's such a, um, a an objective view. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I can't, I cannot remember step by step. I just said to you, well, it was the sixth round. No, it was the eighth round. Yeah. I can't remember it. Yeah. Yet you're asking me in the middle of of an arena full of people cheering for somebody to make a objective decision on what I've just seen. Yeah. And just every time I look down at my paper to write something down, I look at I've missed something. So it's it's an impossible job, impossible. Yeah, it is difficult. Yeah. So um, the other the other sort of question then on 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 my mind in terms of um, of uh, fight if the next fight's in Swindon. Yeah. Um, how much how much um, support are you getting? Like, do all your family come out for that? Yeah, yeah, I get a good amount. You said your, your dad. Um, was you know th- was the key in getting you into it? How did your how does your mum feel? Because that's a whole different feeling. I would have thought she struggles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a youngest. She sees me as a little baby boy. You'll always be the little boy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, in the amateurs, it wasn't as bad because it was like, like head guards and, mm. and we're we're kids at yeah. the end of the day. But like you said, like, ringside, you sort of. I mean, my mum doesn't sit ringside, but just just the professional game is completely different you hear the punches you see people get hurt you see yeah. like the, the sweat and blood flying everywhere it, it is a completely different game so my, my mum always comes along but a couple of times she's left the room yeah yeah you know, when it starts getting rough yeah so. yeah that's fair yeah. um that do you know what though that happens in um i think every sport in terms of of mums mm. i we watched um nathan at wembley last year okay and his his mum left his mum wandered out. Um, again, it's just it's that thing of your kids playing and whatever. I think she even missed his goal. It's oh. his first goal for Portsmouth. It was his, four, his fifth ever goal in a twelve-year career, and uh, and she didn't see it at Wembley. She was like, I can't watch this again. So. It's, it's down to what people see. That the close ones to you do see. They yeah. like my mum and dad see the the things I'm going through. See how hard I'm training. See yeah. see when you're down because you're working so hard and your body's absolutely beating up and now it's down to that one moment they don't want to see you no. they don't want to see you fail or what, you, what you've worked hard for yeah it's, yeah. and that's the thing you just said about people that fall off the bandwagon after a seven and then one well those people will just as pick, quickly pick you back up again mm-hmm. when you're you know, ten and one or whatever yeah. Yeah. but the, the family are there they'll feel every emotion but they've got less control over it than you have because yeah. you're in there Yeah. Um, and they're the ones that have got to deal with the aftermath of that one loss or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even imagine it's got to be horrendous like for a family to deal with. So yeah. it's not yeah, not easy. And then obviously the added pressure, not of just a loss, but 
the risk, the physical risk, and the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously not to be entered into lightly. Um, but listen, Ryan, I, I won't keep you any longer. I know you've got appointments to get to. So um, just want to say thank you for coming in. It's been fantastic to thank talk you to you. I've loved it. Cheers, um, I know the guys are going to enjoy this.